two things. Did you notice? Uh, I used to have dark hair. And the old Beatles cut. Did you see that part too? Uh, and, and I used to be skinny. Uh, so time marches on, doesn't it? Uh, wow. You know, I just need to say, love you guys. It's the best. And uh, I was telling Denise, uh, went 25. Do you think they'll take us for another 25? And then I did some adding, and uh, I think I'm going to be like 83 in another 25. So uh, if the Lord gives me life for 25 more, I'll probably be over there just bent over and hugging some of you. And uh, so hopefully that will work. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But sign me up. Let's go for another 25, huh, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry about the switch gear, but uh, we do have some things uh, need to talk a little bit about. Uh, already mentioned the Remedy Drive. Um, I, it's become fairly obvious to me they have a very big following, but it tends to be younger than what I'm normally. I, uh, most folks I talk who are our, my age are saying, eh, I don't, Remedy who? Uh, but if you talk to the younger ones, oh yeah, they're one of my favorite groups. So again, uh, we're going to have them with us Sunday morning in two weeks. And they're not going to sing, but I just want to have them up here. You can get to know them, hear their hearts, why do they do what they do. And then two weeks at 6 o'clock, actually about a quarter till, Andy's going to lead in some worship music and get things uh, going. And then they're going to share a free concert. We've got posters there at the information desk. Would you be willing to help us scatter some of these posters all over places you have connections with, places that would let you put up a poster? So if you would grab one, that would be wonderful, and that way we'll uh, spread the word a little bit and uh, hopefully get some folks to come to uh, a free concert. Uh, also, next Sunday is, what is next Sunday? Yeah. Some of you knew that well. Nice job. Others of you are thinking, oh, snap, better get busy, huh? So uh, here's your warning. Uh, but here at church, we're going to have a great Sunday morning. Men, uh, sometimes I've noticed, and I've been guilty of this in the past, Mother's Day, warm, soothing, thank you, mothers. And then Father's Day, we beat up all the men, and why aren't you a better father? So uh, here's what I promise it's going to be an encouraging and respectful time, and I think you'll feel glad you came, and no beating up dads next Sunday, okay? We also are going to have uh, some folks who are going to dedicate their children. So anyway, that's going on next Sunday, Father's Day. You have your Bible, 1 Timothy 3 is where I want you to go, uh, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 1. Here's what 1 Timothy 3.15 says, I want you to know how people who are a member of God's family must live. Okay? I want you to know how people who are part of God's family must live. And then it says God's family is the church. That's huge. God's family, who are members, they're people who are a part of the body, who are a part of the church. So uh, it's the family is the church, which means that church, this is how Rick Warren says it, church is not something you go to, church is something you belong to. Let that settle in for a moment. 
church is not something you go to. It's not a building. Church is something you're a part of, that you belong to. Uh, We are family. For better or for worse, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, we here today who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we are the family of God. Now, here's what's interesting. In Roman law, back in New Testament times, if you had a child and it was born and maybe back in those days, if it wasn't the right sex that you were looking for, uh, if it didn't have the right hair color, uh, if it looked sickly, if maybe it, there was some, something that wasn't just perfect about it, you could take that child and take it outside the city gate and just, I don't want it. And usually wild animals or cold would take care of that child. That's, that was according to Roman law. So a child born to you, you could choose whether you wanted to keep it or not. Give me your eyes. But if you adopted a child, if you chose to adopt somebody into your family, you were forbidden to ever disown that child, according to Roman law. Adoption was for keeps. Isn't that interesting? Uh, So when someone says yes to Jesus by faith, when someone says, I believe in the cross, I believe in the shed blood, I believe in the empty tomb, Jesus, by faith, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Listen, you're born into the family of God. So if you've said yes by faith and, and believed and followed Jesus, uh, here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. So if you've become a follower of Jesus, you've been born again. You've been born into the family of God. But catch this, Jesus also handpicks us to be adopted into his family. Ephesians 1 and verse 5, The Father predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. The Father, God the Father said, "Uh, Henry, I want you to be a part of my team. And he handpicks us to be a part of his, he adopts us into his family through Jesus Christ. So, Um, you double belong to Jesus. What do you mean? Well, you are born again, and now you are a part of the family, but you're also adopted into the family. Do you understand? So it's like you double belong to Jesus, and, and you're born again, and you're adopted, and now you belong to Him. It's pretty cool. Now, most people think Christianity and the church is a belief system. It's something you believe, and it's a place you go. But I would argue, no, the church is not a belief system. It's actually a belong system. Tracking? It's not a belief system. It's not just about things you believe. It's actually all about belonging and belonging to a church family. It's not a place you go to. It's a place that you belong to. And that's a huge difference. Because lots of folks think, well, what are you doing? I'm going to church. And it's a place. It's a building. No, it's a place that you belong to and you're a part of. Uh, We are family. 
We are gathered here together with people who know Jesus Christ as Savior. We gather with brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family, which means the people you're sitting next to, are you ready for this? They're your family. And they're going to be your family for how long? For all eternity. Can you believe that? So I want you to find somebody that you're not related to, okay? Because it doesn't count if you're sitting next to your your spouse or your children. I want you to find somebody you're not related to. Turn and look at them right now, or you might have to get up, balcony. uh, And I want you to say, hey, we're family. Go ahead. Find somebody you're not related to, and you tell them, hey, we're family. We're family. And then you tell them right back, hey, we're family. I know that. Can you believe it? Group of misfits like us, we're family. Yeah. Tell people all the time, this church was a dog, we're a mutt. Uh, But you know what? Mutts make really good pets. (laughs) They really do. Uh, Here's the fact. It's just a matter of time before you're going to need the family of God. That's why I don't want you just coming to church. I want you to belong to church because it's just a matter of time before you're going to need the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You're going to need the support. You're going to need the love, the encouragement, the prayer. Uh, And the fact is, it's just a matter of time before others in the family need you. So it works both ways. Just a matter of time, I promise you, eventually you're going to need the family, the church, and there's others around who really need you. And we're going to look just at one verse today. Can you believe it? One verse, and it's found in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and verse 1. And today we're going to look at the power of family in the church. And uh, Paul does a really nice job of showing what that looks like, what that feels like, what that sounds like when you're connected and a part of the family. If you're able, would you stand with me now? Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, and we're going to read out loud together. Uh, Don't say this very often, but we should. Uh, When the judge comes into the courtroom, what does everybody do? Stand. No, no. Don't cry, Henry. Uh, (laughs) Well, maybe some people do. When the bride is about to come down the aisle, what what does everybody do? Stand and maybe cry again. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, when they're about to, to sing the national anthem, what does everybody do? Okay, just want you to understand, the reason we stand every Sunday before we read, it's because we recognize this is no ordinary book. This is God's book. This is our marching orders. This is God's instruction manual for how to line our lives up with. Here we go, Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Let's do it again. we got time. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your book. It's alive. It's active. It's inspired. It's trustworthy. It's been proven over time. So please use your word this morning, Lord, to do a great work in our lives. Some 
are standing right now and they're on the mountaintop and things are going great. And others, Lord, uh, are on cruise control and just trying to keep up pace. And the truth is, Lord, some are here today and they're in the valley. They're hurting. They're bleeding. So, Lord, through your spirit and uh, through the power of your word, would you touch each and every one of us? Would you speak and uh, help us to listen, help us to tune in? We invite you to take charge and be the king uh, in your church today. And all the family of God said with one strong voice, you may be seated. Philippians 4, verse 1. Keep it open if you have your Bible. My brothers and sisters whom I long, love and long for, my joy and my crown, that's how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I think it's interesting that as Paul writes this one verse, there's all sorts of love and encouragement and affection. He, he just really cares. It's obvious he loves the people that he's writing to. It's clear he's connected to him. And I want to show you the six expressions of love and endearment and encouragement. The first one is he says, my brothers and my sisters. He's calling them family. You're my family. Now why does that seem so amazing? If you have your Bible, just go back a page to chapter 3 and verse 5 because back there, Paul has told us who he is, what his, uh, what his roots are. It's, uh, I am an Israelite circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, I am from the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I am meticulous with the law. I was a scholar. I was a faultless Pharisee. And now, that man is calling former pagans, uncircumcised Gentiles, brothers and sisters. You understanding how huge this was? He would have had nothing to do with them. He would not have looked at them, talked with them, gone near them. And now he says, you are my family. You are my brothers and sisters. You, you are my spiritual family because we've all been born again through Jesus Christ. We've all been adopted into the family through Jesus Christ. Paul understood something. Give me your eyes. The closest human bonds are with those who we share faith in Jesus Christ with. You may have family, but if they don't know Christ, if, if they don't uh, have followed Christ, if they've not been born again and adopted, uh, I'm just telling you, you have closer bonds with other people who you share Christ with. The closest bonds are with those we share Jesus Christ with. That's why we come to church. Give me your eyes. We come to church because this is where I belong. It's not a place I go. I, I don't lick my finger and say, hmm, do I feel like going to church today? Do I have anything else? Is the weather, can I do something else more interesting? No, I go to church 
track with me because that's where I belong. That's my family. That's where my closest bonds are with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's part of the problem in our culture. We think of church as a place to go instead of a place to belong and connect and serve and interact. Okay? We are family. And that's how we need to think of the church. Not a place, not a building, not a belief system. That's my family. That's where I belong. Second expression of affection. Back to verse 1. My family whom I... What does it say? Okay, two of you are reading with me. It's found in Philippians 4.1, okay? Uh, so, my family whom I... What is it? Hey, thank you. That's your present to me on 25th year, right? Well, yeah. We'll just go along with him and put up it. Okay, well, uh, I just want you to know that Paul wanted his friends in the church at Philippi to know, hey, I'm not ashamed to tell you I love you. I agapeo you. That's the love of Christ. That's the highest and deepest love there is. Oh, and by the way, agape has very little to do with feeling, although feelings are a part of it. It's about action. Did you know that? Agape is, I, I feel good towards you, but I act with the love of Christ towards you. And he's not afraid to tell them, uh, I love you, and I want everybody to know, write it down, I love you. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't tell the church family what Paul tells the church at Philippi enough. So, shame on me, and let me uh, tell you right now, I love you. You're the best. <laughs> For 25 years, everywhere I go, I, I tell people, I brag about you. you. You are the best, and I love you. I mean it. Back to verse 1. Third expression of warmth. My family who I love, who I long for. You see, Paul was in a Roman jail. Uh, probably chained between two Roman soldiers. Um, and now just think with me now. You're chained, Roman soldiers. Therefore, when you sleep, what's going on? You got two smelly soldiers next to you. And when you eat, you're trying to eat with chains. And this is just how my brain works. And you can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. Tracking with me? So that's where Paul was in a Roman uh, jail situation awaiting trial before Nero. Most commentators believe he never made it back to see his friends at Philippi. Um, he went and before the emperor Nero, and that did not go well. But I like the fact that he says, but, but I can't wait to see you. And if I don't see you here on earth, we're going to spend a long time together, is kind of what he's saying. I'm homesick for you. I long to be with you. Fourth expression of endearment. My family, who I love and I'm homesick to see, you are my, what does it say? Joy. Yeah, okay? Now, now we all know what the answer is, okay? Can you, can you fill in the blank with me? You are my, what is it? You're my joy. Okay, now... If you go back, you can see that, actually it's a little bit down, uh, 
chapter 4 and verse 10, uh, Paul got his joy, first of all, from Jesus Christ. So joy, really the source of joy, holy hope, holy optimism. Why do I have holy hope and holy optimism? Jesus, because you're on the throne and you know what you're doing, and you've got a plan, and you've got a purpose, and right now I trust you, and, and that fills me with joy, because I know no matter what happens, you to man, you're in charge. Okay? So joy comes from Jesus. But here's what's interesting. Joy also comes, chapter 4, verse 1 here, chapter 1 and verse 4, chapter 2 and verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 17. Are you ready? Joy also comes when we're with brothers and sisters and we share Jesus in common and we're connected and we're loving on each other and we're enjoying each other. Give me your eyes. Joy comes from hanging with the family. Isn't that amazing? So it comes ultimately from Jesus, but it also comes by being connected to the family, the church. And if there's not much joy in your life, not much holy hope, holy optimism going on, kind of discouraged, and I, you're real pest, it, it could be you're not fully connected with the family. Make sense? The problem very well could be that you haven't come down from the stands and gotten in the game. Okay? Because joy comes from Jesus, but also sharing life with brothers and sisters who love Jesus. Fifth expression of tenderness. My family whom I love and am homesick to see. You are my joy. You are my crown. You're my crown. Um, Paul is saying my reward in life. My reward as a shepherd is to see you who I've led to faith in Jesus Christ and trained up that you would live obediently for Jesus and then you're living in connection and love and friendship with each other. It's his, it's his reward. It's his wreath. Literally, the word is Stephanos. Do we have anybody who runs marathons or you've run one? Can I see your hands? Anybody? Nobody's ever run a marathon here. Okay, a little bit over there. Okay, so if you win the marathon, you get a Stephanos. Stephanos. That's a wreath. And you'd put a wreath, and you're telling everybody, guess what? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I won. I won the race. And, and Paul is saying, you guys are my wreath. You're my winner's crown. You are my paycheck. You're my reward. You're my crown. Interesting, huh? Sixth and final expression of endearment. Uh, he says, my family whom I love, I'm homesick to see. You're my joy. You're my crown. And then skip down to the very last part of verse 1. You are my dear friends. You're not just my friend. You're my dear friend. You're more than family. You've actually become a part of my friendship network. You're not just sheep. You're people that I really enjoy and love being with. How many of you, hopefully more than ran a marathon, have some really dear friends? Can I see your hands? Really. I'm talking like the best basket of friends. Anybody in the balcony got some dear friends? Yep, yep. Okay, we're talking that basket. Dear, these are the best friends in my life. Okay? Um, 
So if I said to you, hey, um, how much would it take for you to give up that friendship? I give you $1,000, would you snub that person and walk away from that friendship? And your answer would be? Nope. Um, how about $5,000? Uh, how about a new car? Well, let me think. Now, really, the truth is, if you've got a really dear, long-lasting friendship with somebody, you're thinking, um, you, you can't offer me. Those are priceless. Those dear, close connected friends who've been with me, good days and bad, uh, I couldn't put a price on it. Paul's saying, you're my friends. You're my friends. And I agree. 25 years now, you guys are my friends. You know, where, where are your best friends? Um, in church. They're, they're, they're my friends. Uh, and you guys are my dear friends. Now, Right there in the middle of all the warmth and affection and love. Uh, did you notice? Go back to verse 1. There's a, a command issued. Imperative command. Literally a military order. He says, stand firm in the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So you got love and friendship and I'm connected and you're my reward. And now he says, Stand firm in the Lord. Why? Because um, he knew there were lots of wolves that were trying to worm their way into the church. False teachers, false doctrine, get the church led astray from God's word, and pretty soon the foundation would be gone and it would collapse. He also knew that times it would be tough. There would be difficult days for the Christians in Philippi, there are going to be times where uh, it's going to be hard and difficult and painful to follow Jesus. You're going to need to stand firm in the church family because some tough times are coming and you don't want to get knocked down and knocked flat. Don't be caught by surprise. Stand firm. Stand firm. Plant firmly in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I want to illustrate this. Who's feeling big and... Alan, you're looking big and strong. How's your back, Alan? Is it okay? Feeling okay? Come on out here. I want to, yeah, I'm going to pick on Alan, okay? So um, we're, we're going to use him. So turn around, Alan. You didn't stand firm, buddy. You, you didn't stand firm, okay? Okay, now, now I, I'll give you some time to get ready, okay? So same deal. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come, so go ahead and get ready. Be prepared. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be a part of this, but here we go. And, and see, suddenly now, uh, nothing's going to move you. Nice job. You're, you're going to stand strong. What's the difference? First time, he wasn't expecting it. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready. Second time, <clears throat> he was ready. Well done, Alan. Thank you. This is like one of my very favorite verses. And that's what he's saying, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Well, how can you stand firm? You've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. You understand? And if you're not ready and not prepared, you're going to get knocked flat. And I would argue one of the ways that's most important for us to get prepared is to get connected in the body. For us to get connected 
in the family and already have that connection made so that when trouble comes, you've already laid the groundwork, you've already got relationship with brothers and sisters, and you're ready when trouble strikes. Here's what I know. There's going to come a time when you're going to need the family of God. I promise you, there's going to be a time you're desperately going to need what the church family has available to you. Okay? Now, here's what's sad. Sometimes people call and, and they haven't laid the foundation. They haven't gotten prepared. They don't have the connections. And now tragedy and difficulty uh, and bad stuff happens. And they're saying, Pastor Jeff, um, I really need connections. I really need brothers and sisters. I really need help. And I usually don't say this, but I'm thinking too late. <laughs> you should have done that like five, ten years ago. You should have taken the time and made the commitment back then, and then they would be running towards you because you're already connected. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you weren't a follower of Jesus, even if you don't believe in Jesus, this would be a good reason to get connected in the church family is just to have that. Um, how many of you have life insurance? Can I see your hands? How many, yeah, how many of you would have life insurance even if you didn't have to have life insurance? Okay, I think most of us would. Why? Because, Henry, you know, when an unexpected uh, health issue comes up, I want to be prepared. Give me your eyes. This is being wise and prudent and prepared when unexpected difficulty and trouble and sickness and hard times comes. You want to have the family already connected and with you. Do you understand? And those who don't, it's usually too late. It's just a matter of time before you're going to need the family. It's just a matter of time before others are really going to need you. I got to permission to share this next part. A uh, little over a year ago, um, Carl Vanderwall started having some really, really bad headaches. Um, but Carl is, was a father, married, four active children, uh, football, wrestling, baseball, coaching, worked for the DNR. And here's what I do know. Um, Carl and Jen and the kids, their family, they were at least and probably more busy than most of you. So let's, let's lay that as just a foundation. Uh, I know their life. I know how crazy their life was and all the sports and all the the things that were going on, they were at least as busy as you are, probably busier. And yet, um, they had the wisdom and the foresight to say, you know, we're going to invest some time, even though we're really busy, into the church family. And I don't mean sitting here with a couple hundred people. Uh, that's good, and I'm glad you're here, but that's not connecting and committing to the family just showing up on Sunday mornings and sitting in the stands. That's not what I mean. Carl and Jen said, no, you know, we need to stick around. And they, during this hour, they were a part of a connecting group and committed to it. And pretty soon they were active and regular in Bill and Carol Nason's big small group. 
Uh, they kind of function as a small group, but they're not a small. Anyway, they, they were there and, and connecting and, and making friends. And that was good because like a little over a year ago, Carl started having these bad headaches I mentioned. And uh, they did some x-rays and they said there's something there. There's a mass. They went in very quickly and did brain surgery and the diagnosis was cancer. Um, lots of doctors wound up going to Mayo Clinic many, many times, radiation, chemo, drug trials, uh, just everything began going crazy as far as medical stuff then. Um, and here's what Jen, Carl's wife, said, to have the support of our small group walking and standing behind our family, it was like having an army that surrounded us. And they just literally, sometimes physically, picked us up and took care of us and loved on us. Why? Because they took the time and made the commitment to get involved and belong to the church family. I asked Jen um, how she thought their journey would have been if she and Carl hadn't taken the time to get connected and uh, to be committed and to know brothers and sisters. And what would, what would that this last year have been like without uh, your big small group? Here's what she said. Quiet. Very lonely. She said, Pastor Jeff, I, I, that's a scary thought to think what this last year would have been like. Incredibly lonely. They loved on us and walked us through that, that awful time. And here's the good news, she said, and they continue to walk with us today. So they haven't stopped walking with us. They're still loving on us. And she said, I didn't know this part. They showed up uh, a few Sundays after the funeral with grills and flowers and food and plants. And in our uh, driveway, we have this big muddy area next to the cars, and they came and we ate, and then they planted a garden, and uh, they uh, had a sign, and Carl was a part of the DNR, and uh, sitting in our driveway every day was the DNR shield. They had the DNR shield painted. They'd come and got the truck, but now the DNR shield was back, and they painted on that sign, Carl's garden. Kind of cool, isn't it? She said, every time we pull up into the house, it's a reminder. We're loved. We're loved. And boy, do we love them back. I promise you, it's just a matter of time before you're going to need that kind of connection. I promise it's just a matter of time before you're going to say, wow, I wish we had taken the time to commit and connect and belong in the family. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Uh, we'd love. You, you can see me, Bob, see Cal. We'll get you connected in, in a small group. We'll find you a place to start serving and using your gifts. That's how you get connected. Show up on Sunday, get in a small group, 
start using your gifts and talents and serve. And suddenly now you, you'll find yourself, hey, I got a family. I, I, got, I got people who love me and I love them and, and I'm here for them and they're here for me. And, and that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So what are you going to use as your excuse not to get involved, not to commit, not to belong? Now's the time. Now's the time to make the decision. Church is not a place you go to. Church is a place you belong to. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. As the men come forward who are going to serve communion, um, I need to ask a question. What is it that needs to come off your plate so that you can have time to be a part of the family of God, the church? And maybe your first prayer is, Lord, you know what? I'm way too busy. I'm way too scheduled. Things are much too hectic. My plate is uh, filled to the brim with lots and lots of good things. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me what needs to come off my plate to make room for the best, the family of God. Lord, my prayer is that if anybody has believed the lie that church is just a place you go to, it's a building, it's things you believe, and they haven't bought into the biblical fact that it's, it's a family. It's a place to belong. Lord, might that get seared on their hard drives today. Lord, I pray that you'd knock real loud on those who need to commit. Who need to belong to the family, your church. And now uh, we're going to continue with a family meal. It's the Lord's Supper. It's communion. The creator of the church is Jesus Christ. And the love that flows through the church began on the cross at Calvary. Jesus took our place. He offered his sinless body. He allowed his blood to be shed. We're going to look to the cross. And uh, as we prepare for the family meal, let's just do a little inventory and get things in order. And if things need confession, let's do so. Let's get ready for the family meal.